Little Heroes Comics is a UK-based charity that creates and distributes comic-making kits to children through hospitals and healthcare organisations across the UK, keeping them far from boredom and closer to creativity. Head to littleheroescomics.co.uk to find out how to donate and to help at this incredible charity today. One of the ways you can help them out and get some amazing all-age comics at the same time is by heading over to fairsparkbooks.co.uk. Nothing is more exciting than creating stories for kids and Fairspark Books bring you a whole host of them in different and exciting formats that are all aimed at encouraging imagination. You can find such titles as How to Make Comics with Springworth, Gallant Namos, Snuffy and Zoe, Megatomic Battle Rabbit, Leaf and so much more. Fairspark Books are partnered with Little Heroes Comics so a portion of the profits go towards their goal each year. Go to fairsparkbooks.co.uk and littleheroescomics.co.uk today to find out more. Little Heroes Comics. Bring a huge smile to comics creativity today. Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your host, Tom Stewart, with special guest, James Lawrence. But like I say, dude, it's just a casual chat, so we're, we're into it already, basically. We're just kind of going from here. I've got some questions if we get stuck or whatever, but um, I'll just uh, I'll just crack on if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Yeah, perfect. So uh, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. Yeah, I'm just in the process of um, planning the Kickstarter, so I've done like all these calculations and all this kind of micromanaging and then realizing something at the last last second and going back and having to recalculate it all over again so there's mm. been a lot of that so now i'm just in the process of actually building the page right okay so it's it, it's exciting times but it's also like really uh really like anxious times as well yeah yeah god it, there just seems to be so much within that it's unbelievable it's it's so much more than people think yeah yeah absolutely um you know it's like because I've been self-publishing for years, yeah. So, um, it's for me. It's normally just make the book, put the book in InDesign, and then send it to Rich the Printer, and then get books in the post, and then you know have them in my living room for ages until yeah. I take them to like shows or whatever. Uh, with this, it's like I've got this commitment, and you know, a big part of it is like just trying to do the weird alchemy of trying to not get caught out by the post office. Right. Okay. You know, I mean, I, for example, I had like this, this is how like weird and kind of micro, how granular it's getting at the moment. It's like yesterday I had this thought. It's just like, I put together a mock-up package of what I would imagine the, you know, the full rewards would be yeah. to like work out the weight and volume for postage. So I knew how much to charge postage. Right. Yeah. So at about like nine o'clock last night, I was like, Oh wait, the books I use for the mock-up, they're a completely different kind of paper stock. Uh, is that going to affect the, what is that going to affect the weight at all? And it turns out, yeah, it will. So I was like, uh, I'm glad I caught that before I launched that the Kickstarter true. because yeah, it does seem like, 90% of places where Kickstarters kind of run into trouble is some issue with shipping. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this seems like a fine time to ask, uh, who are you? <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, my, my name is James Lawrence. Um, I, in terms of comics, I'm mainly known for The Legend of La Mariposa, which is a... Um, a, a lucha libre fantasy kind of action adventure comic. Um, the way I kind of sell it is it's Red Sonia meets Nacho Libre. Nice. <laughs> That's a good sell. So kind of, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of taking um, the culture and um, sort of the tropes and traditions of Mexican wrestling and kind of applying it to this sort of not 
overly involved kind of cartoon fantasy world. Yeah, 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 totally. So is this is the Kickstarter you're setting up? Is this for the like the is this the final installment or is this just the next installment? Oh uh, no! What this is actually is this is going to be a collection of. Oh, this is um, a full collection, right? Yes, yeah. Because what I've been doing is. Um, I had a webcomic running for ages. What I would do is I would do a chapter of the webcomic and then I would do a little mini comic, like a standalone mini comic. So I'd have something to sell at cons Mm. and then go back to the webcomic and then back and forth like that. But this, just at the beginning of this year, actually, I finished the story of the webcomic. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who read the mini comics don't know there's a webcomic and vice versa. So I thought the next logical step was just to collect it into a nice fat graphic novel. Yeah, totally. I think. Sorry, go on. No, uh, we had um, we had actually spoken at Dunfermline, and that was what you had said to me at the time. Was it was like the fine time to pick up the three mini comics because you were away to start collecting them all together, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's kind of plan. I mean, I've got new La Mariposa stories in the pipe, but you know, after ages of doing these kind of like black and white sort of zini type mini comics, I kind of want to do something a little bit grander. Yeah. So full color graphic novel which is like a 200 page long story that i've already drawn and it's just kind of sat not doing anything seems like the perfect way to start yeah just a bit yeah <laughs> so yeah like i was saying these uh, these kind of chats are just um a bit of an opportunity for people to kind of get to know the people behind the comics kind of thing um so I've just got loads of random little questions here and, and about, um, and I'll just start off by asking, where did you grow up? Uh, that's kind of, that's um, like a complicated question, because um, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was born in London. Okay. But before I was one year old, uh, we moved to, moved to Saudi Arabia and then from there to Italy, and then from there to Austria. So I've lived in a few places, but oh, wow. generally speaking, when people ask, uh, I just tell them I'm from the Isle of Man, because that's where we moved when I was 12, and that's where I lived until I uh, came over to the mainland to go to uni. Right, okay. Well, are you a family in the army or something? Or uh, My parents worked for the, um, the UN oh, for a right. few years. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it always kind of explains the uh, the traveling pattern sometimes of uh, of that is either so sort of, yeah. it's either politics or, or some form of army or something like that. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was more or less the case. But you know, I from the from the ages of twelve to eighteen, I lived I lived on the Isle of Man, so that's kind of where I grew up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 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 and then I moved over to the UK to go to uni, and pretty much stayed here. Where did you go to uni, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, it's fine. I went to the, the University of Central Lancashire in uh, sunny Preston. All right, okay. Did, uh-huh. did, did, you do, um, did you do art at uni, or did you study something else? I actually studied something else. Um, the way it kind of worked out for me is, until I was about 18, mm-hmm. um, I was going to join the army, because my family is a military family. Right, okay. You know, uh my dad my brother was until very recently in the army my dad was in the army you know all the all all the it was at least the blokes in my art in my family were um were all soldiers and i thought that's where i was going as well and then i hit 18 and i realized that was a terrible idea <laughs> so i better i better i better get myself to uni so i enrolled myself on a course that would have me which was uh philosophy and then while I was kind of doing that and not doing the reading I was supposed to be doing, that's when I, you know, started picking up like kind of indie comics and being like, oh, these are kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have a go join some of these. And I was just like, oh, the hell with that. I'm going to become an illustrator myself. So I kind of had to teach myself a bit. You've, um, something I've noticed a lot with your, uh, with your work, actually, is it's got like a, you, you, you seem to have a, a very good grasp on like, almost animation type um styles there's a lot of um like i did animation at college for a, for a number of years and uh you can oh, see cool. you can see a lot of the well, it pretty much killed me um <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> yeah you it's, can, it's uh, very intense yeah it's you so, know what it's a it's a total make or break 
um, career choice. You either you either absolutely love it and want to dedicate your entire life to it, or it's just like, no, not for me, kind of thing. Um, well, the thing that makes me laugh is in my day job, I'm actually um, a tutor on an animation degree. I kind right. of teach the the I kind of teach the illustration side of it. And what makes me laugh is in the first year, because I get I, I get to see these students for like three years. Yeah. Um, you know, at least. And mm-hmm. in the first year, they're bright eyed, bushy tailed, and they're coming in and <laughs> coming in and they're just like, Oh my god, you know, I love cartoons, I can't wait to make cartoons. Uh, I'm gonna animate all my OCs doing everything like that. <laughs> and then by the third year, they're like grizzled veterans with like yeah. battle scars. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, I like to imagine them just coming in in, like, Russian overcoats, smoking hand-rolled cigarettes with, like, eye patches. <laughs> just be like, you were there, man. <laughs> you were there at the 24-frame war. It's a, where it's, there was, like, 20 students, but only eight light tables to go around. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like, the uh, the drop-off in animation is so quick as well because the the workload gets put on so quickly. So you can have a full class of like, I don't know, 20, 25, something like that. And then all of a sudden, yeah. they're like five. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, yeah, man. It's like, I mean, animation and comics are in common because you've got to love it to do it, I think, because yeah. it's so much work. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. I think, no, I think, um, I think comics is only slightly different in the way that you can come at it in a different approach like animation there's kind of still only one way in kind of thing at the minute um whereas i think from comics you can come at it from a lot of different angles and you can maybe find your way into it through other things you know do you mean as in terms to like a career or no just in general just just in general just as output itself um I, i tend to find you're kind of limited in animation to like say Flash 3D traditional, that's kind of about it. And then with comics, you, you've you got any way that you can go. I mean, you can do abstract stuff, you can do uh, like diary stuff, you can do fantasy stuff. You, you don't necessarily have to stick to the boundaries of what um, traditional kind of comics are. You can make your own thing and it can be classed as comics, you know what I mean? Whereas you can't do your kind of own thing and class it as animation, really, I would have said. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean, because, like, I mean, there's a lot of kind of really interesting experimental multimedia animation out there, but you are ultimately beholden to the concept of, you know, um, a sequence of uh, moments, mm-hmm. going from one moment to the next in kind of a linear fashion. It's kind of, like, whereas I've read comics that, you know, on a single page branch off in eight directions, and it's up to you to follow yeah, the action of the protagonist to get their story. You can't. I don't know if you can really do that in animation because you're still you're looking still... at something within the static frame of the video. Yeah, yeah, you're still bound. If if it's people wouldn't be able to interpret it as an animation if it kind of deviated in any way, shape, or form. It still has to be something that. Well, put it this way: as simple as following a character, they have to actually be able to see the movement within that character, or see the movement within the object. You know, they can't then see it go from that to, you know, a picture of a plum, and then call it animation. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could do that in comics, and it could still be classed as comics. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It's one of the reasons why I think comics. Um, still holds such a you know holds such a grip on people. Yeah, on a lot of people is the fact that there are things that you could do in comics that you just cannot do in any other art form. You know, yeah. Yeah. like you could apply virtually every genre or sort of aesthetic possible to comics, and there are some things still separate from all those kind of pre-existing genres that only exist within kind of the comic sphere. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, well. Seeing as how we're on the topic of uh, animation, is there any other hobbies besides comics or animation that you enjoy? I would assume from uh, La Mariposa you have uh, quite a, a fondness for wrestling. Yeah, I love a bit of wrestling. Um, I don't have that much time to watch it at the moment because 
the thing is with wrestling is it's it's a it, it's a, a like a ninety percent visual sort of sport. Yeah, you know, it is the king of sports. Um, <laughs> it it's. It, it, so you kind of have to sit and you kind of have to watch it. And the thing is, is when you do something as labor intense as making comics, I think is that you, I, I, at least for me, I tend to gravitate towards pastimes that let me kind of more listen right, than right. watch because I need my eyes to see what I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I still, but when I do take breaks, I do like to watch a bit of like a, a bit of wrestling. Right. Any other? hobbies that you partake in um yeah i mean just the sort of the typical stuff you know yeah you know, like i said I watch a bit of wrestling obviously i read a lot of comics mm-hmm. you know my uh I, I tend to like try and uh, read a few comics before i go to bed every night just to kind of kind of keep me going keep the ideas going yeah, yeah. um you know video games um I try and get to the gym a few times a week, which I don't know if that qualifies as a hobby because it certainly doesn't feel like fun a lot of the time. Um, yeah, it's all pretty much standard. I mean, I'm not like into um, anything massively esoteric. I like to cook a bit as well. Oh, okay. cool. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty much a, 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 a basic bro when it comes to pastimes. <laughs> That's fair enough. You, you and me both, man. You're all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, um, you just mentioned video games quickly. What, what kind of video games are you into? Um, well, I mean, I love anything that's got a, a strong, defined visual style that's got solid gameplay. Like right. my favorite video game of all times is uh, Psychonauts. Oh, nice. Amazing. Yeah, you play Psychonauts. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I played that game like through to completion like six or seven times. Tim Schafer did no wrong finish. for the longest time. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, did you play? How did you feel about Brutal Legend? I didn't. I, I only played the first half of Brutal Legend and then I found out that it branches off into something else entirely. I never reached that point yeah yeah that's kind of what i think a lot of people were like that because um i loved it i was like this game was made for me mm-hmm. because it's got all that kind of because you know I, I like a lot of heavy metal i grew up listening to a lot of heavy metal okay. um so it's like this is you know like made for me it's got great music in it it's got humor it's got scott campbell you know doing yeah um you know doing the art direction for it and like i've got the art of brutal legend book and it's a gorgeous book nice uh and i was playing it it's just like this is great and then all of a sudden it just drops these this real-time strategy yeah uh mode onto you and that's what all the gameplay is from there on i just could not be asked with it yeah yeah yeah. it was um it was just such a strange one as well because even the demos for it that went out at the time were actually mm. just the first part where you're hack and slash and mm-hmm. and meeting up uh, meeting up with characters and actually following like a narrative and then as soon as it went through a real time strategy it just completely changes altogether and there isn't really much of a I didn't feel the story really went anywhere really from there either because a lot of people kind of fell off of that as well and said it just kind of drops its whole premise and everything as well and just cracks on with an well, idea. They, they try to keep the narrative going through those RTS battles, but you're just so harried trying to yeah. keep track of everything. You're just like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So, like, the climactic story battles are RTS battles. So you've got Tim Curry, you know, voicing the big villain. Uh, and he's flying over and he's dropping all this kind of, like, backstory and lore about the main character and his heritage. And you're just frantically trying to do these really complicated button sequences so you yeah. can buff your troops before the enemy like overwhelms you yeah see this there's too much going on yeah that uh, that game definitely that's what knocked double fine back to its roots of doing point and click adventures though definitely because it mm. was like it was so divided it just there was there was no room for error after that so tim schaefer had to go back to what he knew he had to go back to you know, like the Grim Fandango days, and just go back to point and click. Was, was Broken Age the first game they did after Brutal Legend? Um, 
Because that's like the point, the, the most recent point and click yeah, uh, game that I remember, that I, uh, or at least that I've played by them. Um, I don't know if that was straight after Brutal Legend. I know that they end, Double Fine as a studio ended up kind of splintering a wee bit. There was a lot of different... They, they kind of gave it to different animators and different creators and they got to make their own kind of mm. games from there. So there was about three or four of them kind of came out around the same time. So you got Costume Quest. I, uh, I love Costume Quest. Yes, same. Oh my uh, God, I love that game. I still haven't <laughs> played the sequel. No, same. I've, I've, I've literally only played the first one and that's it. And the expansion that was on it as well, but that's about it. Um, oh my God, it's one of those games where it's just like, why didn't I have this idea? <laughs> it's so yeah. perfect and yep. it was just there <laughs> it's um yeah it's just it's oh it's got everything going for it as well it's got a kind of home alone vibe about it it's got a kind of goonies vibe about it it's got everything a gremlins vibe about it but just all wrapped up in this easy trick-or-treating going about the neighborhood thing oh just amazing absolutely loved it yeah um, like they even made a graphic novel that was like its own thing. I don't know if yeah. you ever read that. No, I think they're making like a TV series off the back of that or something as well. Yes, they are. I think it's a Netflix series. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that was um, that was actually what clocked me onto the fact that there was a graphic novel because I never even realised. And then there was suddenly news that there was this TV show off the back of the graphic novel, and I thought, wait a minute, that's a that's a Tash Harris game. <laughs> <laughs> what are they saying that this was a graphic novel first one? Um, but they did like stacking and, and stuff like that after that as well. But I can't remember if I can't remember if Broken Age was before or after them. Sure no, me neither. No, but um, no. Back in the day, I was definitely a big Grim Fandango guy when it came to uh, to Double Fine. Definitely. Well, no, there were Lucas I... Arts at that point, but sure. I mean, I, I want to love point-and-click games. Mm-hmm. Like, I love games with, like, a strong narrative. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting hungry for games with a strong sort of guided narrative because there's been so many sandbox games yes. that I've played now that I'm, like, I just kind of want something that's, like, got a, a defined beginning and end. Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. kind of a more or less straight line to it. But I always found those point-and-click games, maybe I'm just not smart enough, but, like, I always find them a little too obtuse. Oh, like, dude, when I was playing through them, I was just trying to find out the story. So when I was younger, I wouldn't even bother trying to figure out the clues. If I got stuck for longer than two minutes, I was online trying to find a, a walkthrough and being like, right, next one, there we go. <laughs> it was just a good That's kind story of, to play through. That's what I did for um, one of the Monkey Island games in the end. Oh, Monkey Island was solid, though. That was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's tricky to look up stuff for, um, for Grim Fandango, though, because I had it on the PC, and I had that to look something up on the internet in the PC. And when I was playing it, this was like when the internet wasn't what it was now. Yeah, dialogue. Um, yeah. So you'd have to find a way to minimize this full-screen program that was running and then fire up your... M- slow slow internet if it wasn't dial-up it was definitely just post dial-up yeah um and then get on like game faqs and scroll through you know uh text files to get to the point where you were and then yeah yeah i always remember there was a dedicated grim fandango like walkthrough site or something and uh, i always remember like you were saying having to try and minimize the full screen uh it was having uh, was it like real time player or something open in the background just so that I could tab between it and just sort of F key between it or whatever I can't even remember the commands but it was like I had to use the F keys to go between them just so that I could get to the open window and you could still hear the music playing in the background as you're looking through this walkthrough <laughs> it, was, uh, it was ridiculous um, but yeah so you also said that you do a bit of um, a bit of cooking so what kind of what kind of food do you enjoy what kind of food do you like what kind of dishes uh, do you I like with? I I like the kind of food where you throw everything into a pot and then you just ignore it for like yes. 2 hours and then it's delicious because <laughs> first of all it's easy second of all it doesn't generate a lot of washing up and third of all you feel kind of like a, a like a druid or a witch when you do it because <laughs> you're just mixing everything up in this cauldron and then it's like amazing afterwards so like i i, I stand behind my chili recipe 
Oh, and my my various my various stews. Yes, uh, yeah. I think uh, a strong um, a strong bolognese never goes amiss. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Just something that you can throw together. Yeah, that's good one. Man after my own heart that way. <laughs> a, good, a, a good soup. <laughs> I mean, I know my way around like a marinade and various kind of meats and stuff like that. I'm very much like um the stereotypical kind of bloke cooking person i'm trying to get better at leafy greens right okay but like i i know my way around like a, a cut of meat more easily than i do you know slightly more delicate ingredients right okay let's say uh, yeah uh, well man I've, I've been making soup for as long as i can remember so the next big pot of soup never goes a mess <laughs> oh yeah absolutely <laughs> okay total tangent a uh, dogs or cats uh, uh dogs i'm afraid i'm I, i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna get cancelled on the internet <laughs> but uh i am i i grew up with dogs um you know i love cats my my best mate's got two cats one of which um is not a people person the other one is very much a people person oh, nice. like i adore them both but if you know if i was given the option i'd go i'd go dog every time right okay well, if, if you were um, if you were given an extra option of dogs, cats, or something else, what would you go for? Uh, something I could ride. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'd oh, probably go. I mean, can I can I get like a fantasy animal in there? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Give me like a give me like a saber toothed tiger, like Kazar. Nice. <laughs> yeah, or like, or like a big old direwolf, something that I could just kind of hop on the back. Just to intimidate the local neighbourhood and uh, wander down the street looking like a badass on, basically. Yeah, yeah, just, just like, ah, oh, I've got to get to work. Mm. <laughs> don't, feel, don't feel like getting the bus. To me, Zazu. <laughs> Lie on the back of this. Massive direwolf. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> either, either, either that or something maybe a little more convenient for the urban environment and just like a really smart raven. Ooh. Well, you know, one nice. of the ones that like can recognise things and bring you things and speaks if you like can mimic human speech and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And is smart enough to not crap on my shoulder. <laughs> Do you know, I've never actually... There's, it's even thinking of stuff like that when you say like to ride on like a, a, an animal or some sort that you could ride on never ever do i think of birds i always go to, like horses or dragons or shit like that. i never just go to just a bird of any sort like a big massive eagle or something like that yeah, i mean i just kind of think about it i mean first of all like i'm learning I, i've been learning about corvids in general and how frighteningly smart they are like they they hold grudges all right, okay. And they pass those grudges down across generations, and they have their own courts. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, like, multiple instances of, like, ravens sort of encircling a single raven and kind of it cawing and then cawing back and then them just all pecking it to death. Oh, Jesus. And they reckon it's to do with, like, territory or, like, you know the theft of food and stuff like that and then they leave the body as like a warning to other ravens and they've been known to attack people who try and clear the body up jeez and people think or like, on more, or like on a more cheerful note you know there was a girl <laughs> in the states who um she she looked after a raven and it brought her like something something shiny all right okay um as a thank you and when it saw her reaction Every week or so, it would bring us something else and put it on a windowsill. Oh, jeez. So, you know, they're frighteningly smart birds. So if you can get one of them that was kind of like on your wavelength and you, you got on and you were just mates, I think that would just be impressive, like no matter the case. Yeah, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll keep my magpies and ravens and everything in good favour out in the garden. I'll keep giving them seed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's well worth it, man. You never know when it's going to come in handy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, um, what leads you to read up on ravens and crows and everything you just you know you, you i mean sometimes you'll read something weird on the internet and you'll be like that's weird i'm gonna read into that um or some you notice something a couple of times it's just all part of part of research i think right, okay if so, you're making any kind of fiction 
yeah. and you want that fiction to have like a certain amount of depth, I think you find yourself reading up on all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, you just so you'll tend to find yourself down a sort of internet hole at some point. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most of us do, to be fair, because these days, you know, everything's just at a click of a button or a touch of a phone. You know what I mean? You're just away, like just a step away from an absolute wealth of knowledge. It's ridiculous. And that's one of the, yeah, exactly. That's one of the things I've always like, that's always been my counter argument when people say, oh, the internet's kind of messing us up and having in like access to all this knowledge. And like my counter argument is always just like, it's a tool, yeah. you know, you can use a hammer to build a house. Or you can use a hammer to break your own fingers. It's like, <laughs> it, it's up to you what you choose to do with it. I agree that maybe we should get better at teaching people how to use it. Yeah. Um, and that maybe it kind of developed too quickly for us to kind of properly integrate it into society. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that there can't be anything bad about being able to instantly verify something that someone tells you. Yeah. You know, exactly. or being able to be like, learn, you know, any opportunity for learning is a valuable opportunity. So having a device that lets you learn wherever you are at whatever time can only be a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, that's very true. The only thing that people tend to come back with, with uh, learning stuff at the touch of a button is that it takes away the ability for people to remember things, to remember information because they know that it's so easily at their fingertips. So even just something as simple as remembering somebody, like an actor's name or something like that, you know it's on IMDb, so you don't really tend to remember the names. But I kind of call bullshit on that because as soon as you do remember their name, well, see their name on IMDb, you tend to remember it from there on out, you know. Well, being of like the... Um, the pre-internet generation yeah. what used to happen when I couldn't remember the name of the actor is that I would be really wound up and distracted for about <laughs> 48 hours and then the next time I saw the person I would be like oh yeah it was Ian McKellen and they would be like what the hell are you talking about because <laughs> the conversation was two days ago I still do that <laughs> you know so my memory wasn't any better before I had access to the internet I just wasn't able to confirm things as quickly yeah, I, I still do that. I still find myself waking up through the night and being like, Hey, McShane! <laughs> just screaming it at the top of my lungs or texting somebody being like, that was it! And they're then texting back like, fucking hell, like really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I meant to ask you at the very start, I completely forgot you, did you have something specifically that you wanted to speak about today? Uh, I did have that thought today. I was just like, shit, I should really have thought about a topic and <laughs> thought about it but we can really talk about whatever you like we can talk about wrestling or it's, it's um, a, I, I literally have a whole room of different wee questions so i can just keep asking you tangent questions if you're all good with that man yeah let's do that that's interesting yeah <laughs> this is like this is this is a new format for the show isn't it i was listening to a couple of episodes before and it's normally like a round table yes yeah, it it's normally just us getting together this is just my chance to let people know about comic creators in general so i am literally just speaking to comic creators and people who create comics but just throwing them random questions and maybe getting an insight into more who they are and what they're like as opposed to just their work you know what i mean yeah yeah cool but yeah yeah it's just um a lot of people tend to get buried under their work and when you say their name they just go oh yeah that's so-and-so who makes that and nothing else and i kind of noticed that quite a lot was just people mm. saying, oh, I know that they did this, or, oh, what do they make? But they don't know anything about the person. I'm like, oh, I would love for a chance for people to actually get to know the creators, especially from going to cons and speaking to folk behind tables and being like, you know, they seem really cool. You know what I mean? Like, actually getting to know them. Um, it just seems like a, a rare opportunity, and I've got the means, so be as well using them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think like, I think it's a really cool idea. Um because it kind of stops you from, say, if you like a particular creator, so you tend to like listen, check out their interviews on podcasts. Sometimes you might find yourself in a position where like they keep giving the same interview. Yeah. <laughs> so like something a little more candid, I think, could be a lot. Could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely found myself um, listening to 
three different podcasts with the same person on and it has been the exact same conversation every time. <laughs> it's, they've maybe changed up like one or two things, but then you start to hear the usual sort of thing coming out and I'm like, oh, right, okay. I, I know where this is going. <laughs> um, right, okay, cool. Um, okay, so another random question then, dude. Um, digital or paper? Um, bit of both, bit of both. I draw my comics, um, on paper with, you know, pencil and then ink. Then I scan it in and I do my colors digitally. And it's literally a case of what is the best tool to produce the best results at the, the optimum speed. Right. So, you know, if I get myself a digital setup which i'm planning on doing in the future i will try making comics on that and if that works better and is more satisfying i'll just start doing them all on there if right. not i've still got my pens right okay that's good man it's it's i think it's good to keep up the, the practice of physical drawing as well people people have an awful habit of relying too much on digital and then when it comes to doing a physical drawing they kind of see what they've drawn and go oh shit that doesn't look as good as normal you know what i mean Sure. Yeah. Um, as far there's been numerous, there's been numerous, things. absolutely. And there's been numerous times where I've been working things on paper. I've been like, Oh, this would be so much easier digitally mm -hmm. kind of thing. Or there's certain things that I've wanted to do, which were just more easy to do digitally. Like I really want to try some, um, doing some drawings, doing some comics that are just lineless with just like color blocking. All right. Okay. Um, but that is something that I think would be a lot easier to do in something like Procreate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. As opposed to breaking out the breaking out the markers, breaking out the gouache or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, it's just just the best tool for the jobs. I mean, I in, in my, when I'm feeling like a grumpy old man, <laughs> I, I I grumble that I don't like the idea of being at the mercy of, of technology to create work. Right. Okay. Like the amount of times I've seen people complaining that they can't do work because their tablet pen broke. <sighs> yeah. Or their, you know, their, a driver update has destroyed their like Photoshop or Procreate or whatever. Yeah. And they just physically can't do any work. Whereas like, you know, I've never had to like, update the drivers on a piece of bristol board no exactly <laughs> yeah you don't have to uh, you don't have to worry about a crash whilst on a bit of paper it's, yeah uh, yeah um but the worst, the on the other hand on the other hand if you work digitally you never run out of bristol board so it's very true yeah it's very very true well um when it comes to digital or paper for your own personal reading what would you mm -hmm. say now you're a guy that has some stuff up online as well. You've got your online comics, so I, I feel this may be a wee bit of a a sticking point. I mean, I'm like I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm really not going to split the room. I'm going to call super diplomatic. But again, it's like it's both. <laughs> you know, right. one is not in, one is not inherently superior to the other to me. Okay. Uh, I read a lot digitally. Uh, because I mostly read in bed before I go to sleep. Yeah, you know, um, and I find that digital comics is the is a great way for me to read monthly titles or like weekly titles because mm -hmm. then I'm not cluttering up my flat with loads of kind of floppy comics. Yeah, totally. But I've also got I'm currently looking at three six foot tall bookshelves that are chock a block with graphic novels. <laughs> so. Yeah. Another feeling. For me, like, I mean, for me, one of the big dis distinguishes between am I going to buy this physically or am I going to buy this digitally is how nice is the physical package. Right, okay. You know? <clears throat> so, for example, off the top of my head, um, the Hilda books, you know, um, the Hilda folk? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 totally, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, they are released in this gorgeous European style. Yeah. hardcover with cloth spines i cannot fathom buying one of those digitally even if they are even available digitally because they're just so pretty you know yeah. they're so, so they're so pleasant to read and they're so pleasant to look at 
Yeah. Whereas a Marvel title, which is going to be, you know... That horrible, glossy... Glossy paper. Yeah. And then released in a very overpriced, soft cover, floppy paperback with the same glossy paper stock kind of thing. I'm I'm just going to read that digitally. Yeah. Because it's like they're not doing anything physically with, with the actual object that makes me want to have this object in my flat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the um, the, the flying eye or no-brow stuff tends to come looking really pretty. They, they, know, yeah. how to bound, they know how to bound a nice book, definitely. Um, Do you think that since, like, the digital explosion in comics, publishers have started paying more attention to that, part of the production like, um, in order to kind of keep up with the competition I think smaller publishers and ones that aren't necessarily the big two definitely um, I think mm. because they've like say ones that have been in production as long as digital I think they have noticed possibly a knock on effect so they've then changed the way that they produce the books because um, mm. it's only been as of recent that I've started to notice bigger sort of books like that that are a bit more nicer bound and whatnot that have, have popped up. I didn't see a lot of that back when. Um, I mean, I've got a fair few graphic novels, well, what you would class as graphic novels, one-shots one on the shelf that were only, I would say, about 10 years old, and they just kind of look like your sort of Marvel or DC ones now. There's no... You know, they're, they're not made to look pretty. They're just, yeah. they're just put out there and that's it. And and they're from the sort of same sort of companies that are now putting out these beautiful, nicely bound fabric books with beautiful paper on the inside, you know. Mm. Um, so I think it has, I think it affects those kind of companies. As far as like Marvel or DC goes, no way. No, no way. Um, it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference to them as long as I'm getting them out. Which is a shame to say because they still... They still do good stories. Um, yeah. I, I, I think anybody that says that they're not doing good work at all is, is lying, or they just have a grudge against Marvel and DC. Um, but no, I know I, a, few, a few of my friends have been, like, a few of my friends whose opinion I respect have been saying big things about uh, Marvel's recent output. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm just, it, it, it's just not for me anymore, to be honest. Like, no. I, I don't think I've, got a oh no that's a lie i've got some jack kirby stuff uh oh, on, my, on my shelf of course, of course. <laughs> but like i when i had my big book purge last year um marvel and dc was the stuff that all went yeah 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 same actually yeah same and it was a lot of the i had quite a lot of floppies as well and i tend to i donated a lot of them and sent them away and whatnot as well yeah it was a lot of that that went yeah, I, I, I bundled mine up and uh, sent them to an Oxfam, and then they got bought as a big job lot oh. to, be, to be on a TV show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, which is weird. What TV show? I do not remember. I do not remember. I know that basically they were building a, a, sh- a set that was a comic shop, oh, uh, right. so they just needed a bunch of random floppies, and this one um, Oxfam in Bolton, I think it was, yeah. that... Um, was trying to sort of establish itself as being the geek Oxfam kind of thing. Right, okay. They took all my floppies off me, and then someone came along and just just bought the lot. <laughs> but I have no idea what show it was for. That's an odd one. I've never I've, these days you don't really hear about comic shop sets being made for anything, except from maybe comic book men. <laughs> or no, or um, glass. Oh, as in the film Glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I still haven't seen that. Have you, did you see that? No, I didn't. I only recently watched. Um, was it Split? Split. Split. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I only recently watched Split. <coughs> um, Is it worth I, it? Split. Yeah. It it depends. I mean, I don't have to deal with dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> So, but if I did, I might be a little weirded out that in kind of, you know, this time, there's still someone who's putting out 
you know, a story that kind of treats it as like a weird superpower. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So it kind of left me with a weird feeling um, because I think they do specifically say that it is DID that he's that like this guy's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of thought the same with uh, Glass slash Unbreakable as well, though, because it's clearly just somebody with brittle bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yet they're kind of just making him out to be this big, massive, moustache-twirling villain. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird one. I d- like, I don't... Again, I'm not... I Because it's not my experience, I don't really feel qualified to kind of no. comment on it, but that was the vibe that it left me with. It was just like... split, put, Like, it, it felt like a very kind of 1980s, 1990s style... Yeah. ...kind of plot device. Right, okay. You know... That's not but, so good. Uh, what um, what kind of films do you normally watch then? Um, oof. all right, all kinds of films. I recently obtained uh, a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies. Oh, nice! On uh, on uh, DVD for a ridiculously kind of cheap price, which I was quite proud of. Was it the um, uh, Was it the big box set that you you got? Yeah, yeah. There's a red one and a white one. So I think I think there's only two, but it's it, it it's not it's not his entire film collection because it's missing Strangers on a Train, all but right. uh, it's got it's got all the bangers in it. Well, I need to check. I I got one a while back. It's like a massive, massive one, and it boasts that it's every single Alfred Hitchcock. Um, so I'll need to check and see if that's actually on it. Um, but it was a, a while back now, like a, a really long while back now. So it might not have every single one, but I'll have to check. Hmm. Um, but like, I like I like all kinds of films. Like my favorite film is uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, nice! <laughs> so I tend to like those kind of high concept, low, you know, very kind of tongue in cheek films. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, lo- I love John Carpenter movies. I love that kind of thing. Uh, I like a lot of horror. I went to see like Midsummer recently, oh. which was brilliant. Oh, did really you enjoy it? it? Oh, oh yeah. It's so it, I was in the cinema. And it was really cool because, first of all, um, if you are – a lot of people get very nervous about horror, right? Yeah. And, like, I'm one of them. I was one of them until relatively <laughs> recently. I get very anxious about going to see a horror film. Yeah. And then I realized that, first of all, the trailer is always scarier than the film. So if you can make it through the trailer, you can make it through the film. Uh, right? Because the trailer just super compresses all the worst bits. Yeah. It does, yeah. Um, whereas in the film, you get ebbs and flows and you get space to breathe, you know, with some exceptions. Yeah, yeah. And also, horror is great as a group experience because everyone around you is freaking out at the same time as you are and you don't feel like a weirdo or like a wuss, <laughs> you know? It's <laughs> very true. And what was really cool about seeing Midsummer in, 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 in this packed cinema is there were these moments where you would... Everyone react at the same time. So there were moments where... Um, where people would be kind of tittering in the audience about these kind of the, the folksy ways of the Swedish community. Okay. Right. Like, cause they're wearing these long white kind of dress like shirts and they're doing a lot of kind of, you know, dancing. It's all very Celtic. It's all very pagan. Yeah. Um, I didn't find it particularly amusing cause I've seen that kind of thing for real. Oh, um, okay. um, Oh, wait a minute. But, whoa, 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 you know, wait a minute. You've seen this kind of thing for real. Let's, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get on that tangent. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Well, what, once upon a th- once upon a time on the Isle of Man, <laughs> which is a a small community. Yes. Um, and it's you know it's very kind of connected to its history, mm-hmm. um, in its way. So so one time, I was walking home, uh, over this this. My parents live in quite an isolated part of the island. They live on the very southernmost tip of the island. Right, okay. So I was walking over this hill, which, you know, no street lights, nothing like that. So you've only got kind of the light of the moon and the stars <laughs> to navigate by, which, you right. know, is actually more than a lot of people think it is. Yeah. If you just kind of used to it. Yeah. Um, so I'm making my way home over this hillside, and there is another light source, and that light source is a fire on the hillside up to my left. So I'm like, oh shit, has someone, you know, left a campfire going? Is someone having a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a marshmallow roast or whatever? Or is, you know, is that an actual, a like, fire? 
fire because yeah. you know it's all gorse and heather and so if it goes up the whole hill's going to go up so I venture a little bit closer and then I kind of become aware that there are these sort of these vague shadows that resolve themselves around the fire. Uh, and I become aware that it is about a dozen white robed figures. Oh. So stood in a big white circle around the central, around the central bonfire. And I was about, I now know that it was just like, just, just druids being druids. Yeah. 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 But at the time, you know, <laughs> you're sitting going, Wicker Man, Wicker Man. Yeah, I was at a, I mean, I hadn't seen the Wicker Man at that point, but then <laughs> afterwards, watching the Wicker Man a few years, like, like several years later, it's just like, yeah, that's what it was like. <laughs> um, you're, but, you're... you know, it, it, it was just hippies being hippies, but then I was just like, when, you, when, when you're a teenager and you're on the hillside alone and you're on the one road, and you see the fire, and then you see the white robed figures, and you've read a bit of horror, you know. Yeah. So, like, I, I covered the rest of the distance home at a brisk job. <laughs> Constantly looking over your shoulder for, like, goat-headed men or something like that. Yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, just, like, all that kind of stuff. So I was watching Midsummer, and there'd be people giggling about these... You know, oh, the, 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 these these Swedes and their folksy folksy foreign ways. Oh, isn't it funny? <laughs> and then something would happen, and the giggling would just stop dead. Uh, nice. And then you would just get like increase because you know you can see sort of the vague shapes of the people in the cinema. Mm, yeah. You start to see this discomforted wriggling. <laughs> the wriggling like increases increases the film builds, and it just elevates the experience for me. Nice. Did you... I, I'm right there, like wriggling alongside them because that film <laughs> does not kind of like let you, let you get away with not seeing stuff. Yeah. Uh, did you see his other one, uh, Hereditary? Yeah, yeah. I only saw it relatively recently, but I love that as well. Did you? Did you enjoy it? I loved it to bits. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I couldn't get into it at all, and I'm I'm a big horror fan, and I couldn't get into it at all, but. And I, man, one of my favourite horror films is uh, The Omen. So having that, sure. having that kind of cursed family, or, or well, almost like cursed family, and, and weird, almost kind of possession stuff going on the go and whatnot. I was, I was kind of getting into it, and then I don't know. I just, I was like, God, this is way too long and drawn out for me. Um, but I was kind of like that with The Witch as well. Did you see The Witch? Mm, yeah, I love The Witch as well. Yeah, I just this new, this new um, kind of almost art house horror thing that's going on. I can't get into it at all, and yet it's probably one of the best things to happen to horror in years because it's brought it so much more back into the cinemas and back to people talking about it in the way that it used to be spoken about. Kind of hush-hush and everybody really getting into it on kind of like a culty level. But ugh, just uh, give me some give me some slashers, man. I just want a good old-fashioned slasher. Like <laughs> It's been a while since there's been a slasher movie, actually. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's an old friend of mine who runs a film, uh, a horror film, a horror company called uh, House of Myco. Right, okay. And he's doing he's doing the Lord's work in, in generating slasher films, <laughs> and he's banging these things out. He's incredibly like he, him and his wife and their whole team. They're incredibly prolific. Well, that's the thing, man. They're they're well compared to most horror budgets, they're fairly inexpensive, and yeah. yet there's just not enough of them being made. And when they do try to make them, they try to make them on too high a budget, so it just takes away the point of them altogether. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, my favourite genre in horror, like particularly horror films, is is folk horror. Right. Okay. Like, I love that kind of old, ancient world religion kind of coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, all those kind of elements. That that kind of stuff fascinates me. I get really fascinated by kind of ancient cultures and like practices and stuff like that. Um, and you, you know, you're asking me what kind of films I like, and I think basically what it boils down to is I'm I, I'm a tart for tropes. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, I like films. I like films that kind of do things differently yeah. and experimentally. 
but I also like films that are just like, okay, this is the genre. Here are the beats of the genre. Let's go through these beats the way that you love them. You know, so like I like I like a like a, yeah like a western. Yes. Oh god. You know, yes. certain certain story beats need to hit in the western, and it's almost like. You know, when you recognise one of them, you kind of do a little sort of wee. Yeah. Kind of when you recognise <laughs> it. Yeah, that's a uh, good old um, John Wayne films are good for that, definitely. They sit and watching through the John Wayne collection, and it's literally, to be fair, it's like watching the same movie over and over again. But it's great. I I, I rewatched one of my favourite westerns the other day. Is uh, Tombstone. Oh, nice. Nice. Tombstone's brilliant. Just the bit at the end where. Um, Kurt Russell like goes off, and then the rest of the film is just him hunting this gang. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what um, I think that's what a lot of people wanted Bone Tomahawk to be, and then that ended up being something completely different. <laughs> I've not seen Bone Bone Tomahawk yet. Is it good? Oh, just don't go into expecting a western. <laughs> Whatever you do, no, I've heard. I've heard it's like a horror. Oh, it's it's one of the most horrific films that I've seen in a long time. Really? Uh, Basically, put it it this way, for the first, like, hour, it's just, like, a really suspenseful Western film and really quite slow going. And then it's, like, the last 50 minutes are just non-stop and just, they get, you're you're just sitting way back in in the seat just like, oh, my God, no, please stop, please stop. (laughs) Oof. It's, uh, it's it, brutal. Was it more gory than like Hereditary? I would say so. Yeah. Really? Dang. Yeah. Because Hereditary like came close for me at certain points. Well, they used very, like I think at every given opportunity, they used practical effects in Bone oh, nice. as well, and very practical effects as well, to the point that like, did they actually fucking kill somebody? Like, this is bad. <laughs> it looks It looks crazy. It's, uh, like kind of some, do you ever see The Raid? The Raid, either of the, what, any of the Raid films? Yes, I absolutely love those films. There's bits in those stunt bits. Was like, how did they do that without physically like breaking someone's arm? Yep, the fight in like the, cutting each other to pieces. Yeah, the fight in the kitchen in uh, the first one. I'm always watching that. Like, I ju- I just don't know how they are knackered. Every single one of them. I don't know how they they're not actually dead. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I just can't figure it at all, but my God, it's so so good. It's amazing. Um, you're saying you're a sucker for tropes, though, so how do you feel about um, directors such as David Lynch, who does something that's <laughs> completely left field? I like a bit of David Lynch. I've seen a few few David Lynch films. I, I watched, I really enjoyed Lost Highway. I think that was the most recent thing by him that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, the well, the thing that I'm by him that I watched most recently, I should say, I don't think it's his most recent film by a long chalk. No, <laughs> um, um, I like it. I just need to basically someone needs to sit me down and be like, Hey, do you want to watch this film by David Lynch? And I'll go, Yeah, sure, but like, I don't own any David Lynch films, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, I like, I enjoy his work, I enjoy it when I see it. It's just, I tend to, you know, I, I don't know, it's just. When it comes to like choosing the films that I want to, but I I I, I want to kind of own and keep. It tend, they tend to either be truly kind of groundbreaking. This is a staple, or they tend to be kind of fun, kind of pulpy films. Yeah, yeah. Just when it comes to David Lynch, someone needs to kind of sit me down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And say, do you want to watch David Lynch? And I'll watch it, and I'll probably enjoy it. But like, it's not something I tend to seek out to entertain myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I think you 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 really have to go into them knowing that there's no sort of meaning, and you don't have to take any sort of meaning from it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Just just watch it and kind of enjoy it as an art piece more than anything. I think a lot of people unfortunately misunderstand that with them and then don't enjoy him kind of thing and don't enjoy his work. Um, oh, they're looking for the point. Yeah, they're looking for the point in it. They're looking for something to happen and then. It maybe doesn't come to anything. They're like, "Well, oh, what's the fucking point of that?" And you're like, "But that's that's the whole thing. Like, just enjoy it as like a an emotion piece overall." You know what I mean? But well, it's like dream logic, isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of his rule for a lot of his kind of films. Is like 
it doesn't make a huge amount of sense in the way that dreams don't make a huge amount of sense. But when you're in the dream, the narrative is like that. That's what it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, we're rounding up on uh, on an hour, dude. Um, okay. Cool. Wow. So, that flew by. Yeah, I know it really did. Um, so I'm gonna chuck you just some uh, some quick fire questions to round it off, if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Okay, so I've got still or sparkling? Uh, for water, still. Okay. Um, I'm just taking you on your first answer to these, so that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, white or brown bread? Brown. Favourite biscuit? Favourite biscuit? God, God damn. <laughs> uh, oof. I don't know, because there's, there's, there's this controversy here, because if I say Jaffa cake... Oh, it's funny get, because get my, really upset. my next question after that is Jaffa cake, cake or biscuit? <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So favourite biscuit, goddamn. Um, I'm going to say like an Oreo. I guess I eat Oreos most often. Like right. a double stuff Oreo. Well, oh, yes, yes, you said the right answer there. <laughs> yeah, double stuff Oreo, yeah. You can't have a normal-sized Oreo, not in any way. No, uh, what, what, what even is the point? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Fruit or veg? Jaffa cake is a cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jaffa cake is a cake. Jaffa cake is a cake. Ooh. I'm, I'm laying it down here. Uh, anyone who disagrees, they can fight me in the octagon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, as soon as we uh, see where people can find you, then that's going to be it. They're going to start finding yeah, you. Man. Any time, any place. <laughs> uh, final, fight, final fight rules. <laughs> just just walk up to me on the street <laughs> um fruit or veg um veg i'm gonna say veg okay. more versatile nice and uh, i will give you one last one which is do you think that different colored m&ms have different flavors no <laughs> not at all I, I, I've never thought about that before I need to eat, an, I need to eat some of with my eyes closed <laughs> I t do you know what I don't actually I'm going to give my answer to this just quickly I don't think there is but see the amount of times I eat an orange one and taste orange it's unbelievable <laughs> but I don't think that's maybe actually they, meant to be maybe if you have synesthesia they do yeah, possibly. You perceive colours as tastes. <laughs> That's very true. Well, uh, right. yeah, I was going to say, well, thank you very much for uh, coming on and, and doing this, dude. That was, uh, was very good of you. Like I say, second one. So, um, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. Hopefully uh, I don't enrage too many of your audience with my wrong-headed opinions. <laughs> with, with Jaffa Cake is a cake. That's with a, Jaffa Cake's my... my indifference towards david lynch <laughs> what else have i said what else did I say? What, what, else, what else can i say to polarize people um i don't i think you're all right actually oh dogs yeah. dogs and cats oh yeah yeah do, do, dogs for real dogs for life sorry i'm with you on that man i've got two labs you're fine <laughs> good good boy legion yeah definitely <laughs> so um just for everybody uh, listening uh, where can people find you on online, etc.? Yeah, uh, well, on Twitter, I am at King Friday Joe. That is the that is um, you know the royal title, the day, and the name, King Friday Joe. <laughs> on Instagram, you can find me at Jimmy Dean Sausages, which I did not know was a brand of American hot dogs when I chose the name. Oh. <laughs> um. So Jimmy Dean Sausages. And if you want to read my webcomic while it's still online, um, you can read that at longlivelamariposa.com or longlivelamariposa.tumblr.com. Nice. And you said you've got a Kickstarter coming up soon as well. I do, yes. I will be uh, launching the uh, collection of the webcomic in September um there's not really that much more to say about it but i will be saying a lot about it in the coming month nice um when it's about ready to launch so you're not going to be able to you're going to be sick of the sight of me frankly because <laughs> uh, i'm planning on going full promo with it 
Yes, that's the way to do it, man. That's the only way you can do it. That's the point. I'm normally fairly bashful about promoting myself, but I think I've kind of got to do it this time because I'm asking for a, a not a not inconsequential amount of money to print this book, and it's a good book. I think people are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I, I certainly enjoyed the uh, many comics I had away, and I've I've read quite a lot of your stuff on on the uh, the web comic as well. So, oh, awesome! Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, dude. So, thank you yeah. very much. Perfect. Right, okay, dude. Well, I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon. I'll play again. Yeah, thank you, man. To send us any comments or questions, or just to say hello, you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that comic smell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and most other places you find podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher, and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter at Joan Edam, and you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp. Thank you.